Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Rachel, this might be one of the biggest episodes of Royally Obsessed. Sure. There's so much going on with the royals. Action-packed. I think we had two kind of lulls of activity the last couple weeks, and now we're like, okay, ready, set, go. We're so ready to get into it. So... I mean, of course, I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. And we are back with all the royal news, royally obsessed. If you don't follow us on Instagram already, please do. It's at royally obsessed podcast on Instagram. Also, you can email us info at gallerypodcast.com. Also, you can shop the merch, royally obsessed sweatshirts. Where in mine right now? I love yours. I can see it on the Zoom. The pink it's so comfy. I live it's in it. Shop.royallyobsessed.com. Rachel, what is coming up in this jam packed? Royals episode. I just want to preface what's coming up by just saying how thrilled I am to have this forum with you weekly because <laughs> I, as the news broke over the last few days, I was just like, where do I put all of my feelings? And I was like, all the ah, energy with yes. Roberta on our recording time every week. Anyways, when Aww, we were talking I about this, <laughs> we're talking about the queen turning 96 officially on the day that this episode comes out, how the royal family spent Easter, Harry and Meghan at the Invictus Games. What? What an appearance, what a moment, what a weekend. Their surprise visit to the Queen. And we have a conversation with Bethan Holt, who officially launched this week the Queen's 70 Years of Majestic Style. You can order it now. What a amazing episode ahead. Such an incredible lineup. That's Bethan's second book. She's the fashion director of The Telegraph, and she had that book about the Duchess of Cambridge, and now another one in honor of the Queen and her Platinum Jubilee. But first, we always have time for a royal refreshment. We're going to need it to get through all this information. (laughs) And this week, what are we sipping? And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Well, I, in honor of the Queen, and also the fact that I'm in Massachusetts and had access to the liquor supply that I had from our early era of podcast days. Um, remember the Monkey 47 dry yeah. gin? I used yeah. that to make a gin and Dubonnet. Ooh, delicious. Yes. And I'm kind of nursing it a little bit here. Oh, I wish I had done the same. I'm I'm like trucking through this Wednesday, and so I just have Yeah, it's early. Water. I shouldn't be drinking. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm proud of you. Um, And I just want to remind people that for this Royally Obsessed merch, we're ending the free shipping this Saturday. So get your orders in. Things are selling out. And there is now a notification button you can click to notify you when things come back in stock. You just enter your email. We've added that. So in case you really wanted, I think we're sold out of like 2XL, 3XL, maybe some XLs too. So if you wanted those sizes, please go back The Corgi toe is going fast. It's going fast i know rachel this is really exciting I'm yeah so, i want to see i want to see it out in the wild like yes. i want to be walking down the street and see the corgi tote and lock eyes with someone and just have this wonderful beautiful royal loving moment tag us in your photos too if you oh, have yeah. the merch please Good tag idea. us and we would love to see it that's another Good way idea. virtual moment all right so fabiana wrote us in and she said 
I am new to the podcast and absolutely love it. Today, as I drive along listening to the latest episode, Caribbean Tour Part 2, I LOL to the image of Kate scuba diving in search of her lost ring. That was so funny. You guys said something like, Kate would find it, she'd totally find her ring, and I immediately pictured a cartoon superhero, Aqua Woman Kate, searching for her ring in the blue waters. Fabiana also says, thank you for keeping me company during my morning of errands. I appreciate the conversation and all the insight. Carry on then, ladies. I still stand by it. I believe if it really was a lost <laughs> ring, Kate would have the superhuman skill set to retrieve it. I second that. Okay. This week in royal history, Roberta. And now, this week in royal history. What a moment. The queen turns 96, her birthday, April 21st, 1926. She was born to her parents, the Duke and Duchess of York at the time. Of course, all of that changed when her uncle, King Edward VIII, abdicated. She was born at 2.40 a.m. at 17 Brutton Street in London. This note in the New York Times from 1926 in their wonderful online archive particularly struck me. The prospect, this is a quote, the prospect that in the ordinary course of nature, assuming the Prince of Wales remains a bachelor, a Queen Elizabeth may again sit on the English throne is held out by the birth of a daughter this morning to the Duchess of York, wife of King George's second son. Just amazing what, you know, no one knew or could foresee at the time. And, you know, 10 years later, the king would abdicate and her world changed it then. And then again in 1952 when her dad, King George VI, died. And now the Platinum Jubilee is upon us, Roberta. It's pretty staggering. And almost a century later, we have the second Elizabethan age. And I always think, you know, especially in her advanced years, I mean, she obviously sounds like she's doing great for 96, but how, how much of history she is and how like we may soon be closing that chapter and what that'll be like and the emotional toll that will take on all of us. So I have sleepless nights over it. Yes, I know. I feel like also just like the idea that she's experienced 13 U.S. presidents, like those little details, just what she's lived through is always what we talk about on the podcast. We are hearing some details about how she might celebrate Roberta. She is planning to go to Wood Farm at Sandringham. Of course, Philip lived there post-retirement in 2017 Um, And she's expecting visits from various family members. And we did also get this delightful nugget from Prince Harry, who chatted with Hoda Kotb on the Today Show about her plans. Your grandmother's going to be 96. Yeah. What's the best thing about her? It's her sense of humor and her ability to see the the humor in so many, so many Mm -hmm. different things. We we have a really special relationship. We talk about things that she can't talk about with anybody else. Um, So that's always a, a nice piece to it. But I think she's... I think after a certain age, you get bored of birthdays. You do? You think she's bored of her 96? She won't be bored of the Jubilee, will she? Uh, No. Okay. I don't think so. (laughs) She's had a a few Jubilees now, so everyone everyone is slightly different. But I'm sure she's looking forward to it. Do you think you'll come? I don't know yet. There's lots of things with security uh, issues and everything else. So this is what I'm trying to do, trying to make it possible that that I can get my kids to meet her. So much to unpack there. We're going to talk about those comments as well. But I think just hearing, I love the idea that she's kind of bored of her, of her birthday. But I mean, as you age, it's kind of like, oh, another birthday. You don't, do you think you celebrate it differently, Roberta? That's a lot, a lot of birthdays. I think there was one source quote that said, handing out all of this money on Monday Thursday, which is what Charles took over for the queen. It just, it felt like so much because she's lived 96 years there's 96 coins so yeah I mean I I was trying to think of what they would get her for her 96th birthday and I thought 
if I were Megan, I would go on Etsy and get a watercolor portrait of Candy the Corgi. <laughs> That's an amazing idea. I feel like that would be a good gift, right? Or or even like a watercolor portrait of her and Philip because it is right around the time of it's the one year anniversary of his funeral last week. Yeah. The one year anniversary of his death. So yeah, or maybe you could get her a copy, an updated signed copy of the new book, the new excerpted updated book, The Other Side of the Coin, which is out May 12th. I thought these little tidbits from the book have been so interesting. It had, um, I think, Hello excerpted it this week. And mm-hmm. there was a detail that was so funny about the Bubble Olympics, Roberta. Did you see this? Where they had, I guess in March 2020, when everyone locked down at Windsor Castle, they held for the staff that was staying there and quarantined a bubble olympics where there were relay races and it was a total surprise but the queen hid behind a bush and then appeared to present prizes and it was supposedly one of the biggest moments of all time for the staffers that so fun but i think you also heard about the fact that angela kelly was her hairstylist was the queen was at one point kind of yelling at her once she had the confidence there was this quote about how the queen would say don't do that do it this way that's right you've got it don't change it and afterward angela would need a stiff drink and would tell the queen that i think just hearing these little moments and interactions just adds so to the humanness. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because we all experienced the lockdown haircut. So to think that the queen also got a lockdown haircut. So hearing, yeah, that Angela had to like pivot her role as wardrobe, it's so funny to me. Uh, but this book sounds like it has so much more, including about like Prince Philip's funeral. So I just love hearing, and Harry mentioned it as well, just more about the queen's kind of sense of humor and these moments that pop out. And you think the queen must sign off on this, right? Because it's funny that Angela Kelly reveals like the queen kind of not shouting at her, but being like very direct like don't do that do this like yeah i guess she signs off on that she no must. i think she does she it's very rare that angela has this approval to write the book and i think in addition the way that it's written and i'm probably like summarizing it too fast it's very clear that she's not saying this behind her back she's saying to the queen man like i need a stiff drink after working with you and the queen seems to appreciate that interaction <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. but in addition i'm not trying to like overload us here but i did want to use this opportunity to talk about easter because the queen was not present at easter but we did did get word that she saw family members after and in her place that no one can replace the queen's presence we did get the delightful cambridge moment seeing mm-hmm. not just william and kate but charlotte and george their first time at saint george's chapel charlotte looking almost identical to when she met louis at the hospital and i loved that her dress is called a forget-me-not style did you see this what's the exact oh, name that's so cute no. um it's rachel riley's forget-me-not smocked dress and i thought that that you know just the nod to diana that being her favorite flower and everything i really liked that detail i was too distracted by all the videos that came out which i actually just dm'd you another version of the video of oh, you Prince did. Louis jumping in the car. I in loved the trunk that. Because he is, Rachel, his birthday's coming up too, right? He's yes, gonna April be 23rd. Mm-hmm. And he's so tall. I can't get over it. I think just seeing him like kind of rush the car and seeing like the parenting moment that had to, like Kate was managing and all of that stuff. And we did see so many family members. Like we saw the Wessexes, Mike and Zara, Peter Phillips, his kids. Charles and Camilla were in Scotland. I, I don't know. It was just a delightful day it appeared to be and you had spring in the background i love the pop i'm always looking for the cherry blossoms 
Louis shark backpack. I'm still not over the Louis. Clip. Yeah, it's just too cute, and it, it was, was like kind of taken down by the Daily Mail, so we don't see that. But we do have those other two birthdays, as we mentioned. There's so many royal birthdays in the spring, like we always talk about. So Prince Louis, April 23rd, and who James else? Roberta. Middleton, who else? <laughs> which I thought we'd actually get a big announcement from him. I'm not saying anything. Just I thought there would be an announcement that there wasn't. But he turned 35 April 15th. So mm-hmm. happy birthday, happy birthday, to James, the Louis, the Queen, life. everybody. <laughs> Okay, moving on, the Invictus Games and Meghan and Harry visiting the Queen and the Hoda interview. So first up, we had the news, the news alert, because Rachel, you, I think we were on a uh, Zoom call and you said, what is this? That's right, we were chatting. Yeah. I, my mouth dropped because bravo to Harry and Meghan that they could keep this under wraps, a visit to the Queen, and no one knew about it until after the fact, except for a group of pensioners that happened to be near Windsor and pass by them and get to wave, and they broke it, not the tabloids. Or not, they didn't break it, but they were the first to witness it. I thought that that was amazing. It was so stealthy, and supposedly the the sources say that they had 15 minutes with Charles a little bit on from that in the middle of their conversation with Charles is when Camilla came in. They met with Charles at the Queen's urging. So it sounds like they really only wanted to see the Queen, but then the Queen said, okay, you have to meet with Charles first. But the mood was much calmer with the Queen is what sources say. And they had tea and made her laugh, which is what Harry said in the Hoda interview. Oh, yeah. And there were no Cambridges because they were skiing in France, right? That was, So that was just not a part of the equation. Right. They were skiing in France, but it is interesting, the timing the, the the timing of them not being there because I think what we've learned so especially like Tina Brown last week is that the relationship is not in a good place but supposedly I also read that Eugenie helped orchestrate that meeting with Harry and Meghan and the Queen so kudos to Eugenie and that Charles this is from Tom Quinn who we actually talked to recently but that Charles would be open to them being part-time royals um, mm-hmm. even though he is trying to slim down the monarchy so who knows but. well and one more thought on that is just the idea that I think it Seeing those news headlines, it speaks to, I think, what Omid had said when he joined recently, the significance of that reunion, potentially the visual reunion at the Jubilee. I think for me, that was just, Mm. I had such optimism hearing that this had taken place. I think it probably was honestly... 30 solid minutes of Harry and Meghan showing pictures of Lily and Archie <laughs> to the queen on their phones, like swiping, because I do that with my niece. Like, that's the most fun thing to show people is like pictures of the ones you like, little kids that you love. And so it's like, that's probably what it all, all it was, was just bragging about that. But kids also to the, the queen. fact that it was Meghan's first time on UK soil since yeah. leaving. Like, I feel like Huge. the significance of all of that. So, yeah. And the fact that they were able to do it under the radar makes me hopeful for the mm-hmm. Jubilee, for sure. I agree. All right, so Invictus Games. Then we had this whirlwind weekend of appearances. Similar, I had similar like feelings to when they did the whistle stop tour of New York, where it's just like we don't see Megan for what five, six months, and then all of a sudden we have eight outfits from her. So it's just like a lot. So what we want to do is tell each other our favorite moments that we loved from the whole weekend. Yeah. So I loved the on-the-ground coverage, as always. We had Chris Jackson, Omid Scobie, and Daniel Martin posting on their own personal feeds about Meghan and Harry's appearances. And I want to say, Chris Jackson, this gave me pause, too. He's He covered the Caribbean tour. He's very close to William and Kate. His wife, Natasha Archer, is Kate's stylist. 
and he's covering Harry in the Invictus Games. That gives me hope that they like have kind of a. Be- there might maybe I'm like using a hand signal. There's like yeah. collaboration. There's like collaboration. Yes, like the door is not totally shut. It's a jar. It's a jar. They're sharing a photographer. That's something. That's something. That's employed I'm, by Getty, but yeah, totally. <laughs> right, we're just like pulling his, straws his here. Work, yeah, we're totally yeah. pulling. Yeah. No, but I did really enjoy the behind the scenes. And I think almost yeah. like from Daniel Martin, like the Easter eggs, you know, where it's like, yeah. where am I? You kind of get these snippets the ahead of time. It's very totally. exciting. Totally. Then there was that amazing speech and on stage kiss by Whew, Megan. Here's banning myself. <laughs> I could not love and respect him more. And I know that all of you feel the same because he is your fellow veteran having served two tours of duty in Afghanistan and 10 years of military service. He's the founder of the Invictus Games and the father to our two little ones, Archie and Lily. Please welcome my incredible husband, Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. And it was so sweet. They had this kiss and then Harry was so emotional after that. I don't think he knew what she was gonna say to introduce him. And so the fact that she obviously shouted out Archie and Lily on stage and it was just it was it was really emotional yeah their connection is so powerful to watch it's like you really feel the true love that they share I was gonna say in that moment jumping ahead to some one of my favorites it was that top that she wore that was the off the shoulder I think yes. it was the brand K- kite I don't know how you say it but I think it's kite kite okay uh, it was very similar to what Diana was pictured in when that photo shoot with Mario Testino for Vanity Fair that came out July 1997, a month before she passed away. And I think the going back and looking at that story, the headline for it was Diana Reborn. So it just makes me wonder how much, the, you know, we always kind of go back and forth like, is this all intentional? I believe that it is that parallel, you know, for Megan to wear something that looked so similar. Was, I, I thought that it was a beautiful top on her as well there was something else that this is one of my favorite moments too is like all the valentino because researching that more that was a brand that diana was really familiar with and wore a lot and was friends with the brand there were pictures posted i think last year by giancarlo giametti he's the co-founder of valentino and he knew diana before his death and he's reminiscing about her and so i thought that was really impactful that she wore so much valentino because there was a lot that white suit gorgeous white suit was Valentino. So um, I also have this theory and this is my last, okay, two two last favorite moments. Harry McClary from Donaldson's Dairy. That was the story time thing and that's one of my favorite childhood books of all time. That was the first book that my sister memorized and could read, quote unquote, because she just learned it and the repetition of it. It's a wonderful book. It's a series too and they're so good and it's one of my favorite childhood memories. And Megan read that under the, it was the London Embassy. Yeah, it was the British Embassy. It was Team UK, did a private event. She also painted the Ukraine flag and wrote peace across it in her penmanship. I always love to see that. So there was some kind of under the radar pictures released on Twitter from that. And then my very, I swear, I swear, Rachel, this is my last favorite moment. Okay. I have been pouring over clips from this weekend, like researching furiously. It's a recreation. It's just so joyful. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, why do I have so much time on my hands? But her assistant was wearing, I swear it was her assistant and she was wearing the blue and white striped Ralph Lauren shirt that Megan wore to Wimbledon. Remember those wide leg pants? And it was this blue, yeah, of thick course blue I and white remember stripes. it. Does her assistant get to shop her closet? What? And if so, 
I mean, what would you pick? I would be so overwhelmed by the choices. But I really have the feeling that they, that she was like, oh, yeah, you can borrow whatever to pack for this trip. I don't know. That's that just would a be That's just a hunch. What a that's theory a that is. And I, I would yeah. – what a job that would be. <laughs> All right. Your favorite moments go. I mean, it's hard for me to describe, but this genuinely was my absolute favorite moment when Harry talked about Archie's career aspirations in the opening ceremony speech. I would like to replay that. But I have already listened to it a thousand times. I know you have really strong feelings about this. My son, Archie, about what he wants to be when he grows up. Some days it's an astronaut. Other days it's a pilot. A helicopter pilot, obviously. (laughs) Or quasi from Octonauts. If you're laughing, then you've seen it. Oh, I was laughing, Harry, and I was also stocking my son's Easter basket with a lot of Octonauts merch, including Quasi, who my son Finn also wants to be and is obsessed with. It's his favorite. I'm holding up a sticker for, our for Roberta. Listeners, Rachel <laughs> is holding up a what appears to be a sticker of a cat with it's a, a pirate patch over kitty. his eye. Yes. And this must be quasi, is and what you're saying. We made a my we even made our own illustrated book about the Octonauts yesterday <laughs> just for fun. This was Finn's idea. And when Finn gave a quote for each Octonaut and for Quasi, he said, he's not scared of anything. And I was like, boom, mic drop Finn. But I love this. I've never felt closer to Harry. I told all my family members on Easter, I was just like, what a moment. Did you see Harry? And it's not on their radar at all. But I was like, we gotta just talk about quasi all the time now. So this was my favorite moment. As both both of you as parents of toddler boys, it must feel like oh, this is so relatable. This is such a kid parent moment. Well, and it's also like the Diana aspect too, where it's like you know how people that lived were you know having kids when she was having her kids. It's like you feel these connections at that mo- those moments, those parenting moments, and it's these little nugget yeah. drops that make it feel so relatable. But overall, I think my favorite moment was just the joy radiating from Harry and Meghan, and just the spirit of the Invictus Games. I know that that's cheesy to say, but they the pride that they both demonstrated, the thrill that Megan was by his side, I just really felt that through the visual images I was looking at and the video clips and all of that. And I feel like it was really awesome to see them so in their element. I just don't think like my work-life balance could take any more appearances by them, though. <laughs> I really <laughs> am glad that Megan kind of jetted back to California on Monday. I needed a break because it was a lot. And I also will say the one downside for me was the low-rise jeans. I'm not on oh, board. Really? I'm not on board with that. And I they, kind of I don't them. Think, you mean the one with really? the blazer? with The, the like- slouchy. Yeah, it was a tweed blazer from Celine and then a Celine bag and these like slouchy they're by the brand Mousy. They're vintage jeans. And I, I actually think they look kind of mid to high rise. But the way she wore them was kind of low rise. And I, I just was not I liked them. I think it Everything depended on the great. picture. For me, like, I think yeah. the way it was captured different angles. But I did I did like how, like, low key that look was. But also fancy. It was yeah. very exciting. I agree, though. It's like royal tours in general. It's like there's just so much. You know, if you think back, like, all the outfits, it's it's a lot to keep up with. And it'll be so- It'll be fun to watch, like, the Netflix version of this. Oh, yeah. We yeah. see it play out in real time, but they are, they did have the Netflix crew with them the whole time. So I can't wait to see the highly produced version of the Invictus Games. I think you talk about like moving on, like to bookend it with the news that the Queen also has extended an invite for Trooping the Color. It was exactly how you say, like I needed like I, I needed to fan myself and sit down like what a weekend, all this news at once. So but it, now it was a lot. It was a and lot. And now today we had a interview with 
Hoda. Harry sat down with the Today Show and talked about a range of things, not just the Invictus Games, but also Archie getting to know Grandma Diana, which here's that clip. You tell them or do you tell Archie since he's old enough about your mom? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. I don't tell him all the stuff that happened, but certainly that this is, you know, Grandma Diana and we've got a couple of photos up in the house. In these moments, do you ever feel your mom's presence? Yeah, yeah. no, um, for me, um, it's constant. It has been over the last two years, more so than ever before. Hmm. Um, it's almost as though she's done her done her bit with my with my brother and now she's very much like helping me he got got him set up now she's helping me set up that's what it feels like you know um he's got he's got his kids i've got my kids you know the circumstances are obviously different but no she i i feel her presence in almost everything that i do now um but definitely more so in the last two years than ever before without question so she's she's watching over us i'm sure she's proud of you (laughs) i'm sure she is Okay, Hoda. I'm sure she's proud. <laughs> there were some eye-rolling moments from Hoda, I will say. Yeah, but I this was the moment that I teared up in the interview. I felt just like it was one of the more extended moments that you heard Harry talk about his mom in an interview. And I think also just the nod to William and getting him set up. And I think it just ties it all together for me. And I felt emotional. I did too. I really did. But I kept wondering why the last two years, the is it just the freedom he experiences by being in the U.S.? And he did talk about that as well. So here's that clip. Home for me now is, is, is you know, for the time being, it's in, it's in, the, it's in, it's the, in the States. States. And it really, and it feels that way as well. Does um, it? Yeah. It's, we've been welcomed with open arms. Yeah. Um, and it's got such a great community up in Santa Barbara. So, so you feel like good. that's home more for you? Yeah. Is that weird to say? No, but I'm sure it'll become a thing. Mic drop. <laughs> He and knows by, by become a thing, yeah, he means the headlines and everyone will say, Harry loves the U.S. and he likes it. He's, He's turned his know, back on the U.K. And right, all home this for stuff. the time being. We know. We've predicted he it He knows already, how the machine so. works, yeah. yeah. But I did yeah. like that acknowledgement. It's pretty significant, so. And that they're, like, kind of acclimating and, like, in, like, they're very much embedded in the Santa Barbara community, which I feel really happy about because I think that's one thing of moving – it takes a long time. I know. I moved a year ago, and it, it really does take a long time. Yeah, so. to get your bearings and have a community. Yeah, exactly. All right, last one from the Hoda interview. This is more of an evasion than an actual quote, and it is a little bit of a head-scratcher, so we're going to play that. Your family uh, at home, do you miss them? Um, yes, I think, especially over the last two years, for most people, have they not missed their family, right? The inability to be able to get home yeah. and see them. Of course, that's a, yeah, that's a huge part of it. But do you miss your brother, your dad? Look, I mean, I'm, for me, at the moment, I'm here yeah. focused on these guys yeah. and these families and giving everything I can, 120% to them, mm-hmm. to make sure that they have the experience of a lifetime. Yeah. That's my focus here. And then when I leave here, I get back, and my focus is my family, who I miss massively. You do, I <laughs> yeah. bet. But of course I do. They're two, two little people, you know? That's a real non-answer for you. Also, like, the skill of that dodge, I was so impressed by. Because even when he brought it back and he was like, of course, when I get home, I miss my family. And then he added two little people. I was like, oh, because I thought, okay, he does miss and we're opening it up. But then it was no. like, no, RG and Lily. Yep. So. Specificity, oh. vagueness. The art of the dodge. Masterclass. Yeah.
All right. Our Bethan Holt interview, which we are so, so excited for. And here it is. We recorded it, FYI, on her publication day on Tuesday, so before the Hoda interview. So keep that in mind as you listen. Roros, please join us in welcoming Bethan Holt, fashion director for The Telegraph, back to the pod. She almost needs no introduction. She is such a longtime friend. We are thrilled to celebrate her latest book, a luxe and detailed style tribute to the queen called The Queen, 70 Years of Majestic Style. Out today, we are recording on Tuesday, We are so thrilled to share your publication day with you. She's also currently on mat leave, so we're equally honored that she's taking the time to chat with us while navigating the nap schedule. Welcome, Beth, (laughs) and thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's so lovely to be back. I feel like... Yeah, I'm one of you now. I could just um... <laughs> guest host. Yeah, I know. Totally. We were so looking forward to this, and also just how is art? How is Matt Leave? How are you doing? I feel like we talked to you in January, and your whole world has changed. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's like you just can't imagine the change. But it's just lovely. He's so lovely. Yeah. He's he was six weeks old um, this weekend. Yeah, we're kind of kind of starting to figure everything out now. But and his style. I love all the photos you share. It's just so so adorable. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. He's oh, being God, dressed. Oh god, yeah, it's so best. fun dressing him up. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to um, <laughs> oh, have I think a say have... in his wardrobe. I feel like you have a good year. Like I <laughs> I think you can milk that for yeah. a year. Yeah. Totally. I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Bethan, before we talk about your new book, The Queen, we wanted to briefly pick your brain about Megan's appearance, Megan and Harry's appearance at the Invictus Games and reactions to Megan's fashion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, it was such a treat, wasn't it? Because we haven't really seen so much of Megan recently. Um, so to get, I mean, how does she fit so many outfits into one weekend? I mean, I just love I, I, how these royals do it, like these multiple outfits. But yeah, there were some great ones. I really loved um, what she wore for the opening ceremony, the um, Kate kite um, kind of white off-shoulder top. I thought that was beautiful. Lots of people were drawing comparisons with one of Princess Diana's um, Catherine Walker gowns as well, which was very interesting. And I also really loved the look that was kind of like the vintage distressed jeans with the black um, jacket. I really loved that kind of high-low look. And I think she pulled it off really nicely there. So, yeah, it was good to see Megan back. Also, my um, my friend George um, does her, her hair when she's in Europe. So he was back working with her this weekend, which was so lovely to see as well. He was he did her wedding night hair and that kind of famous oh. bun. And we saw so many updates from Danielle Martin to her who does her makeup and everything. It was just, it was so exhilarating even over here just watching in real time. And you're right, like all the different outfits that were squeezed in was amazing. I love the carousels that everyone is posting, just flipping yeah. through in the white and looking back at Invictus in 2018 and then now. So very exciting. Yeah. Or is it 2017, Roberta? Is it? Was 2017, it, was I think. It was 2017, yeah. yeah. The style evolution, yeah. but then so many of the California, I feel like laid back like jeans and, you know, her button downs. I guess it's just, uh, it's fun to see. It's so fun to watch Megan's fashion. Yes. So fun, always. Totally, yeah. All right, well, back to your book, The Queen. Do you have, we wanted to ask, do you have a favorite period of the Queen style or an all-time favorite look? We just were curious because obviously Obviously, we've got 
seven decades and then some of the Queen's style, but what jumps out for you and your as a personal favorite? Wow, yeah, it's it's really hard to choose actually, but I did love the 1950s and the 1960s just because I guess that was her that was her era when she was almost like kind of what the Duchess of Cambridge or Meghan is to us now, you know, she was kind of very glamorous. And yeah, the 1950s when she was kind of traveling around um, doing her, her huge tours and everyone was so excited about this young, kind of young queen. Um, and she just had some such beautiful um, outfits during that time that are very different to what she wears now because almost her style has kind of been the same since like the late 1960s, like the kind of bright colors, straight coats. So that was something very different, the kind of huge skirts and nipped in waist. Um, and I also really loved, I spoke to um, Rachel Trevor Morgan, who makes a lot of her hats now. And she spoke about being inspired by the Queen's style in the 1950s. So I like that kind of idea of like this kind of full circle as well. Yeah, well, I liked that because I think we just so, you know, the Queen, we think of her so much as the Rainbow Queen. But when you look at that era, in particular, the 1950s, as you mentioned, she was not that at all. And I mean, she still was dressing, you know, I feel like Norman, there was a quote you had, I pulled it out that Norman Hartmell said the Queen and Queen Mother do not want to be fashion setters. That's left to other people with less important work to do. But they still had a very unique, as you mentioned similar to the way we em- try to emulate Kate and Megan's style. they ha- She had her own, you know, unique kind of sartorial look versus the Rainbow Queen that we've come to know her as. Yeah, absolutely. And even though Norman Hartnell said that, you know, people still paid a lot of attention to what the Queen wore. You know, I, I really love discovering these quotes from journalists who described how they would all be gathered at Norman Hartnell's salon when the Queen was on tour. And as soon as the pictures landed from when she was kind of going out to some big um, event, you know, he would then like talk to the journalists about the outfits, you know, obviously we we don't get that today at all. Um, But there was still that kind of excitement about about what she wore and, um, you know, what kind of brands she was supporting and everything. So, So, yeah, there are definitely those similarities. Is there an all-time favorite look for you, Bethan? Oh, my God. We're really putting that, you on the is spot. That really, is that really <laughs> tough? There's so, 70 years. I mean, there's so much, but yeah. I don't know if there's anything. There's like, I think there's like three that stand out. So one of them is the outfit that she wore um, when Prince Charles became the Prince of Wales. They have this kind of special ceremony in the late 1960s. And the Queen wore this like very beautiful kind of like green um, outfit um, with this beautiful hat that um, was embroidered with like hundreds of pearls. And it was almost like a Tudor style cap. Um, And I spoke to the daughter of the creator of that hat and she kind of spoke about how much her mother worked so hard on, on making this hat like completely perfect. So that was a really good one. And then I love, there's just this um, one picture of her with Richard Nixon around Buckingham Palace. And she's just wearing this really beautiful, like fuchsia pink um, cocktail dress. And she just looks so chic. And like, you could wear that outfit now and just look so gorgeous. Like, I wish like Kate would wear that outfit. That would just be so good. 
Yeah, and then there's the final one is from um, 1999, which was not generally a great time for the Queen's fashion. <laughs> um, but she went to the Royal Variety performance and she was wearing like this kind of checkerboard style um, gown that was all these really bright colours. And oh, it was, it was sequins, so... wasn't it? Wasn't it sequins? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> was that yeah. Harlequin dress? Very was that Harlequin loud. dress? Exactly. Exactly. And it was just like a really fun, daring kind of dress. That I just, yeah, really loved that. No, that's, I, I loved that look too. And I feel like yeah. you posted this wonderful carousel of some of her best looks. I loved what she wore when she met Marilyn Monroe. And that was a really unique piece for her, or decision for her to wear that black outfit. So I, I, there's so many moments to look back on. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's why it's so hard to choose because it is this whole lifetime of, um, of outfits that she has worn. And there's just so many highlights along the way. And she's been so clever in the way that she's used her fashion. But yeah, I loved that Marilyn Monroe because Norman Hartnell was really proud that he'd persuaded the Queen to wear black and that she actually, in this room of Hollywood stars, would she would still be the kind of star attraction in her black velvet gown, which was gorgeous. Do you have a least favourite? Oh, least favourite is hard. There was, this, um, there was this story. I mean, the 80s were not a great time, let's just say that. And... Um, there was this story that the king of Spain, um, kind of the queen went to Spain to visit in the late 80s. And he told the queen when she got off the plane, she was like, oh, my darling, you, you look wonderful. You look amazing. And, you know, she then proceeded to work with that designer for like years to come because she'd had this great compliment. But it was actually like not a great outfit at all. It was like <laughs> quite shapeless blue coat that really didn't do anything for her and I found it really interesting kind of rereading Angela Kelly's books when I was researching Angela Kelly even acknowledged you know the queen wasn't looking her best you know in like the kind of late 90s 2000s and she came along and kind of revived her and she felt really strongly that she deserved kind of a better look so I, I think that acknowledgement is there from the top that perhaps things had gone a bit a bit wrong in the 80s and 90s. And then so Angela great. stepped in. Well, you, your book is obviously chock full, beautiful pictures of the queen throughout the last seven decades, but also so many fascinating and well-researched details. So we wanted to know, we're curious how you researched for your book. What is that process like? Yeah, I mean, this one was really interesting because obviously so much of the Queen's reign happened before the internet. <laughs> um, when I was writing my book about the Duchess of Cambridge, I could do a lot of it through Googling, to be honest. Um, yeah. But um, this one was a little bit harder. I I really relied a lot on um, newspaper archives. So I went back looking through newspaper archives, looking at press reports about... Um, about the Queen's fashion and what people had written over the years. Um, and I also, there were a few really important books um, by a, an author called Michael Pick. So he wrote about Norman Hartnell and he wrote about Hardy Amys as well, who were two designers who, you know, designed for the Queen for the first few decades of her reign. So they, they were really useful books in um, having the story behind lots of the looks and things as well. You really talked to a lot of sources on the ground too. You talk to the handbag designers and relatives of the glove makers and so so many yeah. people firsthand accounts. Yeah, a few of the a few of the people aren't alive anymore, you know, like you say, but I tried to speak to as many people as I could and yeah, Gerald Bodmer from Lorna Handbags 
He is such a character, honestly. I had just like the best time speaking to him, but he was great telling me about, you know, the Queen's appreciation for craftsmanship and, um, you know, about what he gets her for her um, her birthday presents. <laughs> um, he gets very specific instructions from the palace about what to buy her. So when he asked what to get her for her birthday, they said that she would like a silk scarf, 34 inches by 34 inches. Wow. So yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's interesting just to get those little snapshots. Yeah, what are some of the more surprising style detail or style details you've learned about the Queen? Oh gosh, that is, um, that's a good question. Well, I loved just the little insights. So when I spoke to um, uh, Sophie Merman, who is the daughter of um, Simone Merman, who, who made a lot of the Queen's hats, she um, told me that the Queen would speak to her mother was French and the queen would do her fittings all in French with her the the queen speaks such great French that they would they would always talk to each other in French so I think that was that was really lovely as well and um yeah Stuart Parvin who is the only designer who makes clothes for the queen apart from Angela Kelly he just spoke about like the incredible research that goes into every um fabric so how much they have to kind of make sure it's going to look good from all angles, that it's not going to crease, you know, that it's the absolute best quality fabric that you could possibly find. Yeah, so many things. And also, oh, I loved as well, um, I found out that when she was pregnant with Prince Andrew um, back in um, the uh, late 50s, she went on a tour and she had a seamstress come with her on the tour to like alter every outfit according to her changing shape every day. You know, so there's, yeah, there's so much kind of um, attention and detail always has been put into her, into her outfits. Yeah, I loved the anecdote about Philip's influence. You mentioned that in the book that it, at a, there was a time where she would say to kind of dismiss a design, Philip doesn't like it. And just thinking about his power on what she wore in that regard was so interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, he actually, that was one of the really surprising things to me. You'd think that he would just kind of let her get on with that side of things. But um, it was actually him, I think, that sort of introduced her to Hardy Amy's because he had seen um, another woman looking really great in Hardy Amy's designs. And he suggested that the Queen um, or Princess Elizabeth, as she was at the time, go and visit his salon. And obviously that then was the beginning of a very important fashion relationship for her. Um, I also read that um, that he helped her get back into shape after she had her children as well. So he like gave her exercises to help get her waist back and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, and as you say, you know, she'd often use the excuse, well, I'm afraid Philip doesn't like it, so I won't be <laughs> buying it, which is great. I'm going to start using that one. <laughs> I know, it's so amazing. But I also love in all the pictures too, Philip, we talk about this often, you know, just looking back through over the years, he was such a fashion plate too. I think it's, it's incredible his sense of style and seeing the pair especially in the early years side by side it's the photos are just breathtaking yeah I mean they were like a hot couple you know they really were maybe that's the next the next book there yeah exploration of Philip's fashion yeah (laughs) you're like I don't even want to think about the next (laughs) need some space between yeah so did you did you speak to anyone currently at the palace or do they do you think they're aware of the book do you know um, I don't know. As I said, I spoke to as close as I could get, which yeah. was Stuart Parvin and Rachel um, Trevor Morgan, who um, 
you know, are very involved in lots of the outfits that she wears now. Obviously, we haven't seen her as much recently, but when I spoke to them, it was just when she was at Balmoral last year and there was like Mm. this pink outfit that they had created and, you know, that had just kind of been in the news and Rachel was speaking about how she still gets a thrill from seeing um, the Queen wearing her clothing all these years later and seeing it on the front cover of Hello magazine and things that she loves it. So, um. So yeah, that was about as close as as I got. But yeah, obviously we'll be sending a copy. And, uh, yeah, you it. should. Well, and Angela Kelly's book is re-released, so I feel like you guys will be sharing some sort of bookstore displays. You know, oh, <laughs> it's I hope so. Timing. Yeah, I yeah. can't. I can't wait to read Angela's. Um, yeah, Angela's Updated. updates. I love. I just love her book. I, she sounds like such a laugh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You have parts of the book that kind of debunk these common misconceptions, for example, um, about the queen style, for example, the myth that she has over 200 handbags. So in reality, she probably has only about two or three styles in a few neutral colorways. So are there any others that come to mind that you can think of that are kind of common misconceptions? Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's probably the best one. I mean, they, Lorna were very keen to, um, to put that myth to stand it corrected because um yeah I think they actually might have gotten a bit of trouble for for putting that out there at one point <laughs> so um I don't think anyone like liked the idea of the queen having 200 handbags um, <laughs> uh I'm trying to think if there's any other misconceptions one that I thought was very interesting was when I was researching um about her wearing trousers obviously we hardly ever see her wearing trousers and the few times that she was photographed or has been photographed in trousers, I noticed that there was so much kind of um, attention in the newspapers about it. There would always be all these kind of stories about, oh my gosh, the queen seen wearing trousers. (laughs) And on one occasion, I think it was in the 90s, um, the um, kind of tailor who'd made the trousers was interviewed. And um, he said, well, this is crazy that everyone is kind of getting excited about the queen wearing trousers because I have actually made many pairs of trousers for her and she wears them all the time. So, you know, I think maybe in her private life, she does wear a, or she did wear a lot of trousers, but obviously not in her kind of more formal engagements where we see her. So, yeah, that was that was quite a good one as well. It's almost as if people think she's, you know, dressing in these bright pastels behind closed doors as well. (laughs) When in reality, she's probably very normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's in trousers and, you know, a nice knitted jumper or something. But um, very functional. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One last question. Is there anything from this, all this research, everything you now know about the queen that you are infusing into your own life? Like what is her, something about her style that you're like, you know what, I'm going to make that happen for myself in 2022. (laughs) Well, I wish I could say all the diamonds. Um, (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, honestly, the, the like jewelry collection is just (laughs) something else it's amazing um yeah so more diamonds would definitely be nice it will take me yeah never get as close as the queen um but I think just that very confident sense of who you are as a person and what your style is and not being swayed by it you know there were some good quotes about her kind of saying oh well I'm glad I didn't take up the mini skirt trend because now it's over um and you know she's always stuck to what works for her and what suits her and and that's what's made her an icon and I mean okay 
I'm never going to become a fashion icon and none of us are. But I think that idea of like knowing what works for you and not being swayed by everything else, um, I think is a really good fashion lesson that we can all learn from the queen and maybe wearing more colour as well. You know, I mean, this today I'm not a good advert because I'm just wearing cream. But um, yeah, that idea of just, you know, that time when we saw her 90th birthday and she's in lime green. I mean, just go for it. I, I love that. Yeah, just go for it. Yeah, we think you're a fashion icon, Bethany. I know you look stunning. We take oh, so many cues you. from your work. So. <laughs> Bless you. I was not fishing for that compliment. No, but we feel it. We really feel it. So. No, I love your Aww. your Peter Pan kind of collar. It's very uh, it's very chic. Well, um, I guess we said one last question, but maybe we can squeeze in one more. This is really quick, though. This as doesn't many have as to you like. Yeah, okay, this doesn't have to be fashion related. But do you have any predictions for the Jubilee? The Platinum Jubilee is coming up so so fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am excited to see what everyone wears. Obviously, there's the news um, this weekend that Meghan and Harry might be on the balcony, which... I was so excited about that news alert. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to see, because often it's this kind of a coordinated look, isn't there? You know, everyone's in like maybe similar colours or something. So... Um, and obviously platinum as a colour is a kind of silvery colour. So it'd be interesting to see like where they kind of go with that. Mm-hmm. I think they're using lots of purple as well. So, but yeah, I, I think, I hope it's going to be like a really exciting celebratory moment. Yeah. With lots of great fashion. Bring it on. We can't wait. Well, the book is The Queen, 70 Years of Majestic Style by Bethan Holt. And it's out today. So you can pick one up. And Bethan, where can our listeners find you? What's the best way? Uh, So I'm on Instagram at Bethan Holt. At the moment, it's a very weird mix of like royal pictures and baby pictures. Um, (laughs) The perfect mix. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly my dream combination right now. (laughs) I need need to balance that out. Yeah. And obviously on the Telegraph usually, but not again for a few more months, I'm afraid. So yeah. Oh, well, enjoy. enjoy, Yeah. yeah. Enjoy your time. And we are so grateful that you came on again. And it was lovely to chat with you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And any time, any excuse to come back. I love it. Oh, always lovely getting to chat with Bethan. That's her third time with us, and it is always an honor. And she has so many insightful tidbits in this new book. So it's a gorgeous book. Everyone get one. It is. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low is just that there's this kind of tidbit that the bullying inquiry, investigation, whatever you call it, from Buckingham Palace into Meghan is being buried because we're one year on and there's really no news. And honestly, no matter how you slice it, Rachel, I just feel like this is a mishandling by the PR of Buckingham Palace because... If they don't investigate it, well, what happens to those people who actually made legitimate claims? I mean, that's really bad. That's a bad look on their HR because there's not only Megan, but there were complaints about Prince Andrew and the way he treated his staff. And that really hasn't been resolved either. So it's not great for the employees. But then it's also not great because this did feel like an attack at the time when the Oprah interview was coming out and a smear campaign, as the Sussexes called it. So yeah, it's bad either way. And the fact that it's being buried is just it's not great also for the people, the staff who complained. I don't know. But they supposedly they rescinded their claims is what 
Omid said last year when his updated Finding Freedom came out. So Yeah, but we want to see the work. We want to see what's happening with that. Yeah. My low, I was torn. One low is that I'm done with season two of Bridgerton, and that is just like, I'm like, what do I watch? I have a hole in my life. <laughs> did you think it was a letdown, or did you love it? You know, I, it was very different, but I did like it, because I think if it was the same, would we be like, oh, that was so stale, we already yeah. know what happens, but I did yeah. really like it. But I was going to say, my my low, I think, just getting reflective for a second is just contemplating the power that could have been with the Sussexes. I think this weekend, I felt so energized and optimistic. Just seeing the genuine energy around them and the thoughtfulness with specific causes that are close to their heart. So I just, I don't know. I'm curious what the future holds for them, if the monarchy will capitalize on that, because it just still feels like such a loss. And Harry even said in that interview with Hoda, you know, when he said home for him is California, he said for the time being in the United States. So that also left me optimistic that maybe there's a potential for... You know, the door, like you said, the door is not firmly closed. And I hope that the family sees that because I think it is just a low for me. That was kind of like a little, like a a little breadcrumb. Like, what does he mean? It was a breadcrumb. Yeah. My high is just that this kind of flew under the radar with all the other stuff going on with Easter and the Sussexes, the Vintage Games. But I liked this update. So, BBC Radio 4 did a program about the 10th anniversary of the London Olympics. And The production manager, Sam Hunter, said that the queen never even told her family about that iconic Daniel Craig Bond. It's like hiding in the bush. She like has this like sleuther, like stealth operation that she. I love it. It was one of the stipulations, actually, that she agreed to be a part of it and that she no one would know not even her family. And so actually, when you come out and she takes her seat, when she kind of drops supposedly, you know, obviously it's a stunt person, but drops from the helicopter at the end of this Bond skit. Her family around her goes, they're chuckling and they're like, ah, nice one. So <laughs> it was just a little insight into that and how how funny the queen is that she wanted to hide that so that it was a surprise for even those closest to her. My high, I'm repeating myself, but just quasi. <laughs> I love that. This episode Rachel. brought to you by Quasi from Octonauts. It, Am I supposed to watch Octonauts? Like, the, you're, I love it's your just enthusiasm. Like, I love report. I just am so immersed in it that I think that it made me feel <laughs> seen. That? So that's part of the episode. But I also liked in the Hoda interview how Harry revealed that he's just Archie's in the throngs of the Y stage. And I think that this is a parenting you know, a therapist approved technique that Harry admitted that he sees it through. He, you know, kids are so curious and he tries to take it all the way to the end and be very honest and give those answers. So those insights into the, into Archie, which are few and far between are always a But then high. the brutal honesty at the end where he's like, the at the end, I'm just like, the world is round. That's why. Like, <laughs> there's just, you know, there's just nothing else to say yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. This was jam-packed, but so, so fun. And as always, leave us a royal rating. If you love the podcast, please, please, please. We have a review that says, love the podcast. Can't wait to hear the next episode, which I'm sure will include Harry and Megan's surprise visit. I'm in England now and all my friends here know I'm royally obsessed. Brits, not so much. My tote is on the way. Oh, so glad you ordered. A welcome home to the USA gift to myself. And I can't wait to order the misty blue and rose sweatshirt when restocked. Cheers, Kathleen. Thank you so much for ordering all of that, Kathleen. And I hope it is a good welcome home gift. That's a great idea. And treat yourself. Yeah, we're jealous that you're over there across the pond. As always, reminder to subscribe. Again, please leave us a five-star review if you have time. It takes only a second to hit that five stars. You can always email us at info at gallerypodcast.com. Shop this site, shop.royallyobsessed.com for all your merch needs. And till next week. 
God Save the, the Pod! Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God Save the Pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.